Hey, Wicked Spursy listeners, we're back with part two on sports science. It's another good one. Hope you enjoy. What time is it? It's time for Wicked Spursy. It's time for a very important question to be asked. And because we know that Gina is a uh, longtime listener of the podcast, Gina, I'd love to let you ask the question that I have on my mind. Can you do it? As an avid listener, I only hope there's fruit in your beer today, Mike, because that's how I like it. Hey, Mike, what you drink? <laughs> well, Gina, I'm glad you asked that question. He loves it. I love it. Ask that. I do. I do. Uh, Tonight, uh, I have a kind of a special beer, um, and Does this, this comes from this comes from uh, Steve's local brewery. Ooh, and I'm not talking about that barbecue joint that calls himself a barbecue joint joint uh, slash brewery. It, this is a uh, from 14 Star Brewing. Uh, That's what I figured. <laughs> yeah, they're they're a veteran. They're a veteran owned. Uh, Veteran-owned, veteran-run uh, brewery. Uh, this one is called Rising Hope. Um, and well, that, that's a cool can, actually. Yeah, yeah it's a dope. very cool can. It's got a lot of uh, positive messages and stuff all over it. There's um, kind of a Na- Native American sort of vibe to that. Am I dreaming that, or is that accurate? Um, yeah, it does kind of have a Native American type of a vibe. Do um, I, I don't know. It doesn't necessarily have anything to do with that. This actually... Um, this was actually part of like brew, brewing, uh, brewing for the cure type of a thing. Uh, it, it, some of the some of the uh, proceeds of this, uh, I think, I think it's over half the proceeds of this go to the uh, NPS uh, NPCF, which is the the National Pediatric Cancer Foundation. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so someone like myself who deals uh, who deals with pediatric cancer a lot my sister does too in her in her, in her life um this kind of kind of hits home because we, we we see those kids at the uh vermont children's hospital and where she works at the boston children's hospital um so this is a really really uh really really good beer uh for me to do tonight and uh so once again 14 star what's the name of it it's called rising hope rising hope and, thank uh, you sir and and gina's gonna love this this is a uh this is a hazy IPA made with mango. Oh, mango! Uh, it's it's five percent alcohol um, by volume. I don't know what the IBUs are on this. Um, so again, for clarity, for Gina, it's a fruited beer, but it's not fruit in beer. Am I am I right, Mike? Is that is that the correct language? Correct. It's not adding fruit to beer. Go to get a mango different. right now and put it in that beer. I like fruit in my beer. I don't know. Um. So, I'll st- uh, Dave, uh, I'm just looking <laughs> at the back of this can right now. Yakima Chief hops. Ah, so there you go, Native American. Very uh, nice. I'm going to pour. It, I'm going to pour it again into my my favorite uh, my favorite cup, which is my uh, treehouse cup. Nixon, I got to know, like, what are you thinking as you're watching this unfold? What, what's going through your mind? 
I'm freaking out because I thought that was El Efe, the Belgian um, beer that Mike was drinking. Oh. Figure it out the whole time. I actually really like that. But tonight with dinner, I had a glass of red wine. Um, but the problem was I don't know how to, I don't know the name. I don't know. Yeah, my wife picked it out from Trader Joe's. So I can't pronounce it. I'm not going to try to butcher it. Well, you just showed us the bottle, didn't you? Is what's it Valpocella? What, what's the word on the bottle? Pontificus. Pontificus. Yeah. That's a, oh, it's, it's a It's a petit Syrah. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody really? needs him in their life. You guys, everybody needs to mix him in their life. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, I I had a, some, you know, I had a good dinner tonight and wash it down with some red just to, you know, get me nice and relaxed to the podcast. I was so excited. And, you no. Know, yeah, I'm good to go. I'm a red guy. Though. I'm a big red guy. <laughs> I do some, I do some beer sometimes, but I'm really red guy, but no, like Yancey knows, I'm two drink limit and I'm done. I'm, I'm, <laughs> very nice. Mike does not subscribe to that uh, that hypothesis at all. <laughs> two drink so, limit. so, Mike, what are we thinking? I, I'm seeing a, a two finger soapy head. It looks like on so that. It head. was it was three. I mean, it was three. Poured. Okay, um, it's dissipating pretty quickly. Uh, it reeks of mango. It reeks of reeks mango. Of mango. <laughs> That might I can be think good... of worse things for it to reek of. Yeah. <laughs> let me let me tell you. Let me tell you. Like mango for me, mango for me. Like I cannot stand the smell of it. Wow, it's so good. What? <laughs> it tastes delicious. Yeah, it's really, it's really an. It's it, it's a it's. I it, at risk of being crass, it's a real mind fuck for me. Yeah, I don't like yeah that, that's a really a difficult combo within a single food. <laughs> oh my god, it it drives me crazy. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna just get into this and see what we got here. Oh, and uh, Nixon and Jeremy, just so you know, Mike does a he does a rating uh, on a five point scale, and Steve and I, you know, often try to guess and see how close we can get. And then then he names a song that the uh, the beer makes him think of. As, uh, oh, as, yeah. So that's that's kind of how we play this one. So. <laughs> So, Mike, uh, initial reactions. Uh, give us some. Um, it tastes. It it got a lot of mango uh, in it. Um, I don't know the actual hops that go into it. There are a number of hops that will <clears throat> that will simulate that kind of mango uh, type of a taste. Um, you know, some of them have citrus fruit attached to it. Some of them have pine. You know, deep pine needle kind of smell and taste attached to it because there's so much mango in this i can't really tell it is definitely a fruity beer i like it um i really do uh it's really super light it's hazy it, it's hazy like they say it's fizzy like a 5.0 ipa would be so it's really a sessionable beer um meaning you could have you know uh, sit down and have a whole bunch of them if you if you would like to and uh as long as you're not, you know, as long as you hand those keys off to a, to a friend who's not having a, a session. Um, I really like the beer. Uh, Mike, we, we've I got, got a really, feedback. we got a really tight scatter plot here of uh, predictions on, trying, your, uh, on your, on yeah. your rating. So where, where are you landed? I'm really curious. Of mangoes or a bushel of mangoes. That's what we want. It's a bushel. 
we've got uh, sort of conflicting view because we got the strong smell of mango and then we got the strong taste of mango so like yeah are they canceling each other out like where are we at here? it's it's they possible could, they could they could cancel each other out. Mike's um, mind is a complicated place too. Uh, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Finding this out, it, it's a weird place to be sometimes. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with three point five. Oh, damn it, <laughs> man! All right, I'm I'm just going to throw out there. I said three four. Steve said three two, and Gina said three six. So uh, you and and I'm going to tell you, you why split the siblings. Because, well done, because they all think they all think guys that. Um, I go even numbers every time. Ah, he does. He does. I, yeah, I, he's got a few tells. You know how, like, when a baseball pitcher has some tells about you know, mm-hmm. you know what's coming. Like, he has a couple tells that we can read. We're getting better at it. But all right, so three five on this bad boy. How about a song? What are you thinking? Um, because of the the conflict in and and smell and taste, uh. I'm gonna go with Beck Soul Sucking Jerk from uh, from the Mellow Gold album. There, there you have it. So uh, not Billy Joel. No, Billy not Joel. Billy Joel. <laughs> it's it's not that terrible of a beer. No fish. <laughs> you went with Beck. Why did you pick Beck? Because he's talking about um, David Beckham all day. It's the only yeah. natural progression. Oh shit! Maybe that's why it's on the back of my head. <laughs> No, I, I, I actually, I actually just, I really love that song and like, and 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 uh, and uh, just the the conflict that happens when you smell something that, that you don't like the smell of, but you taste it and it's <laughs> vibrant and fun. Yeah, I, that, that's soul, that's soul sucking. That's well done, man. I like I like that choice. And we've also mentioned well we've also mentioned uh, the football terrorist tonight, Antonio Conte. So. Also true. Soul sucking yeah. jerk. He he ruined my entire he ruined me for an entire year. So all right. Hey, Excellent. this has been it's been hey Mike, what you drinking? Uh with 14th Star Rising Hope. Um yeah, good rating, good song. Like it, like how that played out. Well great done, beer Mike. for a great cause, yeah. All right, let's let's uh let's keep rolling, folks. So uh as we as we wrap things up, next 15, 20 minutes, let's uh let's take it where it goes. One thing on my mind, and and I um I'd love to ask you guys. So let's go Spurs for a moment. We uh, we tend to lament every time an international break comes around because we're like something's going to happen. You know, one one of the guys is going to get banged up, and we watched um, we watched our captain Sonny get you know show some signs of continuing to be banged up yesterday, and that gets that gets the fandom you know all in an uproar. Here's the here's the question that I have for you guys: what what who are the who are the loudest voices in the decision-making process around an athlete and return to play? Uh, is it the athlete? Is it the coach? Is it, is it sports science? Is is everything balanced out? Does it depend on level? Like how does, how does that tend to emerge in terms of when a player gets back on the field or the pitch or the court or whatever it may be? Anybody want to take a shot? I can start only because we have such a situation that plays into this from last week. Actually, the athlete I mentioned that was going through some depression things at home, my coworker and I did not think he was anywhere near close enough to being strong enough to return to play. And there's there's a very basic, the two requirements to return to play, full range of motion, full strength. Um, there's obviously more that goes into it, but those are the two like just basics across the board. This kid was nowhere close. 
he wants to play a cert- his coordinator was pressuring him to play mom wants him to play again we need film he's going to be a high level athlete um somehow they convince the orthopedic doctor to clear him to play on friday and i've talked to nixon about this a little bit i think so they got a doctor note saying the doctor explained all of the risks etc my coworker and i are like mind blown that this doctor would write this note this is clearly not in the best interest of the child does not have full range of motion does not have full strength well what do you think happens in the game dislocates can't get it back in he has to go back to the er sedation to get it back in more damage done longer recovery etc etc and Mm -hmm. like feel terrible for the child fantastic child great mom who's just trying to do the best by her kid but you just want to be like, I told you so. We've been doing this. I've been doing it 20 years there. She's been 17. Nixon's the same timeline. Like, I told you so. But you can't say it because you yep. don't. So you just sit there and you're like, you're okay, let's regroup it now. Let's just get ready for surgery. But you get all these voices saying the wrong thing. And like, there's literally you feel like me and my coworker they're literally the only ones who have his true best interest at heart but everybody else has all these motives and what happens okay that's gina that's a phenomenal example here's here's my question i wonder setting it's not our kid right and and as you go up at nixon's level Correct. There's not a tangible contractual investment in the player, right? Like the the team doesn't own their athletic rights, but there's a financial investment in the player. So as we get to college, as we get to, as we get to, you know, pro levels, how does that decision-making calculus change? So my, my setting, I feel is actually, uh, I feel lucky. I'm a little, I think just where I'm at right now is this little, um, different and when i say that is we let everybody know from day one and when i say everybody coaches understand parents understand players understand we're always going to do what's best for your long-term um health and when i say that i'll bring up this example we had a student one time had a sprain it wasn't anything surgical but the integrity of the joint needed to actually completely heal. So doc says, hey, based on my findings and the laxity that I found in this joint, you need to miss six weeks. Even though the player was 100, but he was at four weeks, he's like, I feel great. I'm telling you, I feel I'm good to go. Hey, that's all fine and well. We're ruling to lose two to three games, you know, to protect your long-term health. And like, that's the standard that's, here where I'm at right now. And I truly appreciate it because the students, and it was interesting for me to hear the students talk amongst themselves like, hey, at least these people here care about you. Other universities, they'll just let you play injured and they won't care what happens to you. Mm -hmm. So for me, like my space is just a little bit unique. I know it's not like that everywhere, you know, but for me, like, I just know like that's what, um, when it comes to like return to sport, return to play, um, that's how it would work. But um, but if it's not something that's, you know, that's going to truly impact them, like let's just say it's something minor, 
I still don't want to make the decision myself. I still, as the athletic trainer, I want to involve my strength coach. I want to um, involve my um, other coach, like uh, my, um, uh, I still want, hey, my therapist, hey, let's just balance this, you know. I want everybody involved in it just so we're not missing anything because sometimes, you know, we are in our own silos and you might miss something because let's say, our sports scientist did jump him on the sports on the force plate and he sees a huge asymmetry and you're just like, whoa, even though you're telling me you feel good, the numbers aren't going to lie. You know, there's something here that's going to um, put you at um, significant risk for injury. So all of that stuff is um, is very important to collaborate. You know, for me, that's just how it is in my space. And everybody doesn't operate like that because some people just want the power to be able to say, all right, I'm going to make the call, which power to them well you know more power to them but that's just how it is in my space okay yeah thank you jeremy one million dollar athletes 100 million dollar athletes um probably a different landscape right what's what's that look like for you entirely depends on the environment Hmm. but it's so different it's so different you know because you then to nixon's point you've got every ego in the room trying to be the hero you know and, and so but but who's the hero trying to please? Like, who are you being a hero for? Right. And so are you telling the GM what he wants to hear, the coach what he wants to hear? Are you telling the athlete what what they want to hear? Right. And so so it can be so different on on who has input. So the way I set up the systems was if we were rehabbing a guy, we had a criteria-based progression. So you had a number of check boxes you had to get to be able to go from non-weight bearing to weight bearing, go from walking to running, go from running to on-field progressions, on-field progressions to playing. And you had to pass objective markers at every single stage, or you weren't allowed to go to the next step. And that gave us something because you're always fighting against, like the stopwatch is going. Like if somebody tells them six weeks, which the the docs are sort of renowned for because (laughs) <laughs> traditionally the doc's the one that clears them right and like for an acl for a doc six months you're ready go well that's that's like graft maturation like you just healed that's not mechanics and and loading and strength and all this sort of stuff right so but then so then your doc's told him at six months he's good to go now i gotta fight every single day <laughs> to keep him out as long as we need him out right mm-hmm. So at least if we've got these objective markers at every step, that clearance at six months from the doc is one of those markers. So the coach asks me, well, where's he at? He's in advanced stage two of of our rehab protocol. Here's what that means. Here's what he's doing today, right? He's working towards this. When he can do this, he can do this. And then then you start getting into on-field work. And now you're working with the coaches and now you're really fighting against the coaches because they look great. Well, they look great because we're letting them look great, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? We're letting them do things that they are good at, right? So you got those arm wrestles. You're being pushed every day, coach, GM. Um, and so you're checking off these markers. And then the final check for me, we would do a, a psychological return to play um, profile that the player completes. So it's a questionnaire. On, on how much confidence the player has to, to perform their skills, uh, to not feel pain, 
to give full effort through the, the injured site. So you really break down the psychology of the player around their confidence to return to play. And, and they had to score above a certain amount. And that was the final clearance to play was when the player felt that they were ready um, and they'd achieved all the, the objective markers. I think that, I, I think that in the case, you know, it, and I understand because I understand where you're coming from, Jeremy, because uh, I'm a, I'm a Washington uh, football fan. Um, and I watched uh, Robert Griffin, the third go through the, go through his, uh, what mm-hmm. was the second or second knee injury and then come back way, way too early because mm-hmm. he saw Adrian Peterson do it. And Adrian Peterson was a completely different animal. He was a, he was a machine of a human being. Um, and Robert Griffin ne- wasn't necessarily the same type of human being, but um, I saw that progression. And I said, man, he's coming back way too early because it was an off season from that knee injury. Um but then in the case of, of, of Hyunmin San, uh, we're looking at an injury that he had that's what happened early on in this season. Um, and it's been a, kind of a nagging injury uh, that has kind of progressed and, and kept up throughout the season. And now he's on international break. And we know how, uh, how these soccer players take such great pride in playing for their nations. Um, and he wasn't going to be told that he wasn't going to play. Um, he, it, I think there was the quote that said, uh, it doesn't matter what the gaffer says, I'm going out there to play. And and I would I would have thought that Jurgen Klinsmann would have held him out. Uh, no, knowing what he knows about the game and knowing what he knows about players, that he would have held him out and said, no, this is not a great situation. The fact is that, like, where do we stand? Do we do we do the trainers and coaches have a responsibility to say, listen, you also have a club that you're playing for that's paying you, that is that is um, invested in you, and has to pay you whether you're hurt or not because a lot of these contracts are guaranteed where do they draw the line? Where do these international coaches and international trainers and stuff draw the line? Because they don't have that responsibility to look after these players after they're gone from that one week of duty or three weeks of duty um, when there's a tournament, like what responsibility should they have versus what responsibility is left on the clubs that actually pay these players? Yeah. I think they, (laughs) There's a distinction between what's been responsibilities should they have and what do they have. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, we all have a duty of care for our athletes. And it doesn't matter if you're working with high school or, you know, NYCFC, we, we signed the youngest player in first team history, in MLS history, signed him on his 15th birthday. Right. So we, we got children, you know, playing for the first team. Um, all the way up to guys, you know, flying to, to Peru, to play for national team. Um, I think you've got to have empathy for everybody and, and what, and look at really examining what drives their decision-making, right? These coaches, how many games you got before you get fired, if you lose, right? So your livelihood and your reputation, your ability to work in the future is on the line with every game you play in, in football. And so that's the way they're incentivized, right? And, and if, if we want long-term thinking, we need long-term incentives. We need stability for coaches. 
but they will never be thinking beyond maybe two years out, maybe. Mm. Because if they lose 10 in a row, they're gone. Right? That, that's it. So if, we're, if that's how we're incentivizing them, these are the results we get. You know, they're playing guys who are banged up because they're the, you know, this guy at 80% is better than this guy at, at 100%. Right. Right. And that, that's the calculation they're making. They're not thinking about, is this guy going to be okay for his club, you know, when he comes back from international break? Sure. That's where even as a high school athletic trainer, I'm lucky over where Nixon is or Jeremy is. My job is not at stake if we have a really bad season. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone in Nixon's position or for sure Jeremy's position, your job could 100% be tied to the head coach, mm-hmm. the GM, whoever brought you in. Mm-hmm. Um, a high school, I don't have to answer to wins and losses. So my my pure motive can be, hey, 16-year-old kid, your shoulder keeps dislocating. I just want you to be able to pick up your kids when you have them. And I want you to be able to pick up your grandkids. My end line is not wins and losses. And that, so my paychecks don't come from wins and losses. Mm -hmm. Like from a sports performance point of view, people answer to many other things than I do. Whereas truly my end game is the children. So I'm I'm lucky in that aspect that there's those other pressures. They can be there, but they don't matter quite so much as could for the, everybody else. I like in it for me personally. I'm always gonna do what's in the best interest of like the health and safety of you know the person. Like, and I truly do not care if I end up getting canned for it because mm-hmm. if you do the right thing, it always works out down the road for you you know but go there and you like completely sacrifice an athlete just for one game for hypothetically in the rg3 space and i don't even know what happened there with the medical or whatever i don't know but what i'm just saying is if you do what's right it always i feel like it always comes back full circle because people are actually like oh wait a minute that person actually went there and he fought for so-and-so to do not play or he cared about his long-term health, you know? So if you do that, it'll, it'll work out and you'll end up getting a job, whatever, in Timbuktu or whatever, but you still have a job, you know, especially being in this setting, um, in, at, uh, you know, non-high school setting, you know, uh, but that's just me personally, how I mm-hmm. would approach it. I know some people would sacrifice the player. Oh yeah, you can play even though, you know, they can't play. But that's just me. <laughs> well, and the opposite is also true. You know, if, if you're that guy, like that's where we do walk a fine line in the pros between the pressure that's put on you from the management and, and the coaches, but also having the players trust, mm-hmm. right? If you start becoming management's guy, the coach's guy, and you're pushing guys back too soon, man, will that reputation ever follow you? Yes. Right. Because this is a this is a small group of people and they all know each other. (laughs) So if I go from Spurs to United and I've been the guy that that's responsible for a bunch of guys getting getting banged up, Mm -hmm. you better believe that those that locker room I'm walking into will know about it. And and so you're you're not long for that that role. You know, you're gonna be out on on your ass. So it's yeah, it's really um 
it's in everybody's best interest that you just fight for the player. Just do the right thing. Yeah. If it's the right call for him to go back, let him go back. If it's not, say your piece. Ultimately, the decision might not be yours, but you need to to be really solid in in the case that you're presenting. The, like even last week, what I was just talking about, like we both made sure we were documented via text and email and everything. I don't agree with this. Like, but mm-hmm. wants to go ahead, go ahead. But this is not what we suggest. Yeah. So, like it, it is a it's, a, it's a trust thing. It's a fine line, but pressure and doctors and coaches or mm-hmm. the whole thing. And this actually goes back to the original question of like how sports medicine evolved and sports performance, sports science evolved, right? Like it's just really about like collecting the data, you know, and collaborating and trying to make the best decision for the person in the long term. Mm-hmm. Because like for me, when I first started, we didn't have access to force plates. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to, you know, all of this, you know, isokinetic testing, all of this testing that you could actually see like even if the player doesn't tell you, wait, I have a my like I have a really bad you know my calf is really hurting today. They're not telling you that, but when you test them pregame, you just have them do something simple as a needle wall, and you see a five centimeter discrepancy. You, uh, you know before they go actually play, hey, we need to do some treatment on this, and they look at you like, wait, how did you know that was going on? Because the numbers won't lie, right? The data won't lie, so you could just make a really educated guess on like wait this person needs to address this situation because if they go out on the field they can help for me that's the biggest difference from when i first started that i see now that there's all this technology and information that you could actually protect the players from themselves sometimes you know well and and protect the coaches from themselves as well nicks yeah you know because that's the thing like back when we were just going off our feel and how they look Mm -hmm. the coach could be like oh well i didn't know well, now you put a report on his desk mm. and you say, all right, he's got a 25% discrepancy in his, in his quad strength and, and 15% in his glute strength. And, you know, his vertical jumps, you know, 10 centimeters different side to side. You put that report on his desk and you say he is not ready. Now, if he has to go in the press and, and, and in his conference, when that guy gets re-injured and, and he can't say he didn't know. So what <laughs> I found that, that, the coach would never overrule us because because of that, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Not because yeah. it's the right thing to do, but because there's no way he could make a case yeah. for, for why he made the decision to put him back in. Yeah. Nixon, you, you motivated me. I need to start working on my needle wall discrepancy. If you could send me some, uh, some, some tactics on how to... It's about time. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I just think it's cute that people like Nixon have time to test all those things and have all that data because I have well, 500 kids in my room trying to get band-aids and get their mm-hmm. all of well, the same. Well, for me, like I tell the parents, though, you know, again, I only have 12 athletes, but for me, I'm not going to wait until like, you know, I treat their kids like Formula One cars. You know, I'm not going to wait until something goes wrong. Like they're always tuning up those cars looking for mm-hmm. stuff. I'm that guy just trying to find, hey, what's wrong today? You know, even if they don't say anything, I'm looking, you know, I'm just trying to find anything to just help these kids and you know what's to come. You know, that's the beauty of the setting that I'm in or that I have. Yeah. Jeremy, Jeremy, do you have a you have an F1 team, Jeremy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, big, uh, big Mercedes fan. Big Mercedes fan. All right. Yeah. 
Mike and yeah. I are Mike and I are McLaren guys. Just okay, I can respect that. Land there, yeah. Oh yeah. wow, you're the first one to ever say that to us because right, I got right. a lot of I got a lot of backlash from uh yeah. from some from some English. No, fans. but it, it, it fits with. I'm the a Lando. I'm a Lando Norris guy, right? Like, Nixon, how about you? Nixon, you got an F1 team, or are you you uh just using that reference to talk about your athletes? I just used that reference yep. while parents. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow's the parents. Your 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 child is a finely tuned race car, ma'am. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a risk here. We are we've we've reached or we're approaching our, our end time. We need to need to wrap. When I do uh when I do work meetings of decent size, I tend to kind of wrap up and say, Hey, what are our takeaways from this? And just kind of whip around the room with any takeaways that folks might have. And I'm kind of feeling that that might be the right the right play right now. So Steve, uh, let's start with you. What are you taking away from tonight? What did you hear? Uh, my big takeaway is that there's no clear right answer when it comes to sports medicine, player fitness. It's a whole lot of data points that get combined together and you need a bunch of different people involved in the decision-making, even at the, the youngest levels, right? It's not just the, the, the students, it's the parents as well. It's the trainers, it's the, you know, coaches to maybe a lesser degree, but there's a lot involved in any of these decisions. And to say, you know, if we're looking at like son, for an example, um, and trying to figure out like, should he have played in his international friendly there's no right answer to that, right? Like we we don't know his exact uh, situation. We don't know the advice he's been given. We don't know how many people have talked to him or have advised him in certain ways. Uh, and it's difficult to say that there's a right or wrong answer, right? Mm. It's, it's just going to boil down to, uh, you know, any number of things. And only time's going to tell us whether or not the decision was worth it or if it backfires tremendously but uh i love hearing about the evolution uh throughout all levels of play i love hearing about how there's constant learning going on and constant change and how the mentality is uh pretty much perpetually in flux so that you know all professionals are, are looking to improve right like just the conversation that I've that I've had with uh, you know the three of you uh, guesting with us tonight is is basically you know nobody's content to just stay and do the same thing all the time, right? You're all looking to do better, uh, to do better for for the people whose care you're responsible for, uh, and you know not for nothing that gives me a lot of hope for you know not just athletes at at high levels but for you know my own son when he gets into athletics in the next couple of years that uh, there will be people like you who are thinking ahead and thinking okay well how can i best protect uh those who i'm responsible for how can i make them stronger how can i make them recover from injuries at a better uh more safe way so that they're not risking uh re-injuring themselves again so it's been a fantastic uh a fantastic conversation i'd have really appreciated uh having each of you on to to share your points of view it's been super enlightening for me so thank you for for me specifically thanks so much for for joining us tonight thanks steve yeah steve nailed that one man well done uh jeremy nixon gina you've been hanging with three schmucks this evening and, and talking about what you do. But I'm curious, like, did you take away anything from just talking to your colleagues or, or again, three schmucks who support Spurs? <laughs> Jeremy, Jeremy, any takeaways for you at all? Yeah. You know, I think it, it's just so important 
to you know I, I've been really spoiled in my career I've worked for some really big clubs right and uh, and I've had resources both in terms of people you know I've, I've had teams of 15 20 people on my staff you know in charge of 20 athletes right and so it's important to acknowledge the the work that that Gene is doing you know at the high school level and and because that's where it starts for us all right, if we don't have great care in our athletes at the high school level, by the time they get to us in the pros, if they do, for that matter, right? We see people coming out of really poor management in high school who who drop off. They don't make it. Right. And so so I think that's really important to acknowledge that you you won't always have the resources, both in terms of people, in terms of financial, in terms of technology. But there's there's people out there finding a way to make it work you know, and doing such a wonderful job for these, these athletes. So that that's, you know, the big takeaway is, is don't, don't think that what we do at the top is, is what happens everywhere. Hmm. Right. Because we, we're very spoiled and, and we should all acknowledge that. And, and I think we should all spend time doing the other, hmm. right. Because man, you become resourceful. So oh, yeah. uh, Gina, thank you. Yeah. Well yeah. put, well put. Uh, let's go to, uh, let's go to Gina real quick. Gina, what, uh, takeaways do you have? Thank you for saying that, Jeremy, that, that doesn't mean a lot. And I, I was actually joking with my, with Maddie, with my coworker today, Nixon, when he comes to my training room, he's mind blown. He cannot handle it. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm mind blown by what he tells me he does for his kids. We both have the same certification. We both have the same letters behind our name. I could not do his job. He could not do mine. Mm-hmm. We all kind of, it's just a different niche. There's, there's different pieces to sports medicine for sure. For the casual fan, I, sometimes I wish people remembered more that these athletes who aren't performing are just people. Their mm-hmm. mom's sick. Somebody's somebody, something's happening at home with my kids. It's, they don't have a parent there. They don't have a parent who loves them. It's Nixon's kids have different issues. They're in school that's so hard that the seven of us together would struggle to get through their coursework. Like all these kids have stressors on them that we just don't think about how it it, it affects lives. My mm-hmm. Dave and I just went through a huge family stress. It's been affecting me for, it's been a good over two months. Mm-hmm. But it's still affecting me day to day. But nobody knows it. You don't see it. It's not written on my forehead. So I just wish the general fan more would remember these are human beings. There's mm-hmm. reasons. There's injuries they're playing through sometimes. There's mental health stuff, family stuff, like just all of these factors that go into this person that that's maybe why they're not as successful as you mm-hmm. want them to So. Yeah, that's my thing. That and that, I that, go ahead. That's well put. That's that's all I was going to mm-hmm. say. Is that was really well put. Yeah, yeah. nicely done. Um, I think about all the times we've talked about players who've struggled, and then it comes out like there was a big thing, you know. And in 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 the in the instance, you're like, this guy just sucks. Why is he Why is he so bad? But but there was a thing, and uh, it it affects that. So yeah, well put, Gina. Good job. And uh, Nixon, over to you. What kind of takeaways you got? Big, biggest thing. First of all, thanks so much for having us on. This was yeah. so fun. Oh my goodness. You know, I've listened to, listened to a couple of episodes before, but just actually being on it and interacting with you guys, Steve and Mike, Dave, it, it really was fun. But uh, what I want to 
um, just talk about just a little bit before we go is just like the importance of like how everything kind of is cross-sectional, right? Like, you know, like after I would come from the NBA combines and doing all of that, I want to go sit in Gina's mm-hmm. training and it, she's going to make me more efficient. Like just mm-hmm. me or interact with 300 athletes a day. And like, I'm just like, how in the world are you doing that? But I'm picking up on just little things that I could bring back to where if I have three people in the same room at the same time, you know, I can handle that, you know, compared to her 300, you know, that's one thing. And then two, you know, I was just really fortunate to work with Jeremy at his, you know, he's very humble, but he was just so far ahead of the curve when it comes to actually bringing the performance team together. You know, and when I say that is, you know, just really trying to gather all the information, bring everybody together and bring everybody together and collaboratively make the best decision for everybody. I've seen it um, in person working with him and then his results, you know, our results as a group was we had a very, um, I guess you would call it successful um, rate of injury, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I mean call it you know just because when everybody you know uses everybody's strength and actually works as a team like in football so anyways i just kind of wanted to just talk about that a little bit that was just like my big takeaway because even though you you have the high school the university and the professional but it all kind of like you know it's Mm cross-section all help each other and learn from each other so excellent i just want to follow up on that you know real quick because people always assume that the best people are at the top you know, and, and I think I think a lot of people at the top convince themselves of that. <laughs> but just so Nick says, you go to those other levels, man, if you don't learn something, then, yeah. then you should leave the field. Exactly. You know, <laughs> like we got so much to learn. We, we see the same 25 people all day, every day. We, exactly. You know, like but go, on the go into side, the trenches. When I need something <laughs> specific, when I need to know how to treat a specific injury, a specific mm-hmm. rehab. Nixon is my first text. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do I rehab this kid? I haven't had one of those. And he lays it right out and he's right every time. And then Dave, here's what happens now. Then when, you know, that conversation gets a bit rough, the first person I'm calling, hey, Jeremy, you know, I need help. <laughs> so it all kind of goes together. It literally all goes together. We all yeah. help each other. You know, if I have a tough case, I'm calling Jeremy, I'm calling Robbie, you know, and we're yeah. going to figure out, you know, as a group, you know. Uh, when Nixon has a concussion issue, who's he called? Um, <laughs> Interesting. Oh, you know, ten a week, and I might see one every five years. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. Hadn't thought about that. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah, good stuff. Mike, how about over to you? Uh, what are you taking away from this? What'd you hear? Uh, quick takeaway uh, for me um, <clears throat> is that is that. Now that I've spoken with 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 folks on in the sports science and 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 rehab and and uh, just sports science uh, in, in general uh, in three different levels, I, I I really now see what goes into um, the the making of an athlete um, and 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 the way that athletes evolve. Um, but also I've, I've taken away the fact that again, these are all just human beings. Um, so we don't just, we don't just need to apply all this stuff for, for the athletes in our lives and, 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 
whether they're student athletes, whether they're, whether they're professional athletes, we don't have to apply We can apply these to um, all people. Um, and, and it just happens that, that athletes have the resources like, like these folks we've talked to today, we've talked to today. Um, and, and I've, we, I, we've gotten to talk to people from, three different from three different areas that really uh that really drive my my outside of my personal life uh i i um i i i love the fact that that gina does what she does uh i I really think that um it's probably the most important part of developing um a, a young student athlete um i love the fact that nixon works for my very favorite university on the planet (laughs) um and does what he does for 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 that program uh and i'm gonna say again nixon i'll say it on online live uh love the notre dame campus must be buzzing after that that beat down of uh of those dirty slimy trojans Um, (laughs) that's a great follow-up from the they're all humans piece right (laughs) (laughs) the truth comes out and then uh and then um and then Jeremy, like to, to be able to listen to you speak, uh, it, it really like all of you guys really though, but it, it brings out that, that, that nerdy science guy in me that, that, that got into the healthcare industry or the healthcare, uh, the hospital industry that I'm, that I'm in right now. And, and, and the care of patients, uh, that I'm in right now, like it really drives home, like the reasons that I did it, like all of you guys, like it, it, whether I'm just at the diagnosis level, mostly um, I do a little bit of the, the vascular stuff. So I'm, I, I'm at the therapeutic level at that end too. But like when, when I hear you guys talk, I, I really see that the passion that you guys have for your work and, and, and I really enjoy, I really enjoyed speaking to all of you and, and, and seeing, seeing what goes into what, what you guys do every day, whether it be on Gina's level to Jeremy's level and in, in, in between. And it's just, it's just amazing to, uh, to have had this conversation with you guys. I know I'm very long winded and I tend to ramble. So usually this is the part where Dave cuts me off, but <laughs> and I could, talk, I could talk to you guys all night. No, I mean, I yeah. And that's, that's the, that's the, the thing I want to say for a takeaway. Um, this conversation has been fun. I could do this for hours and, uh, but I realize everybody has to get on with their, with their lives. So I want to say to you, uh, Jeremy, Gina and Nixon, appreciate you appreciate your time. First of all, um, appreciate you sharing your expertise, you know, not just for us, but for anybody who gets a chance to listen to this, please know, um, open invitation. Anytime you want to come back and rejoin us on the podcast to talk either about your profession or just talk about things as simple as football. Um, happy, happy to do that as well, but we're grateful for you. And, um, to everybody who listens out there, we're, we're grateful for you, appreciate you, and love you as well. As we wrap up, Steve, you probably have two things you'd like to say before we before we walk away. What would that be? Quiz, 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 quiz. And? Don't be an asshole. Thank you, sir. And Michael, how about you? World is crazy out there, everybody. Uh, COVID's back, man. It, I see it in my office. Um, if you're around people, you've had COVID uh, recently, you're, you're, you're just mask up. Just mask up. Just make sure that if you're coughing anything, just mask up and and, and be safe. And and one more thing. You know, uh, 
we've talked a lot about sports science today, but you know, this is a podcast about our favorite football club, Tottenham Hotspur. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's been a great season so far, the the first third of our season. So uh, you're stretching this one out, aren't you, buddy? You really are. (laughs) And Ange has been great. And I love that man. Uh, I I love that man to death. I don't know him, but I want to hug him. And I'm going to say Tottenham Hotspur action. It's fantastic. Thank you.